Good morning. Continuing now with scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. With this in mind, please turn to your Bibles. We'll be reading from two passages, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and also 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Or you can follow along behind me on the screen. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then continuing with 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for your word. That's a light unto our path and a guide for us. Amen. Good morning. Today we are continuing the sermon series we kicked off back in January entitled 2020 Vision. And one of the main premises behind the sermon series is this idea that we are going to look at God's priorities. What are the things that God values the most? Uh, and, And then we are to adjust our priorities in light of his. What are the things that God would have us focus on? What does he want us to see most clearly? And why are those things so important to him? So far, we began by looking at our chief end, our main goal in life. We are created in God's image for relationship with him. And the Bible tells that our chief purpose for being created is to is to bring him glory, to bring him glory and honor. And everything that we do and everything we say and think, all that we are and have is, is given to us to bring God glory. We also looked in Matthew 22 in a story where Jesus is is asked a question. Um, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And, and then last week we looked at, uh, at the parable of the Good Samaritan and we were challenged to, to love our neighbors as ourselves and, and, and to love others by meeting the need of any person at any time, uh, at any cost. Well, today we're looking at Jesus' last words that he spoke on earth before he ascended into heaven. They're found in Matthew 28, which was just read, and it's often called the, the Great Commission. And if we want to know what God wants us to focus on while we walk this earth, that's a really good place to start. Now, when most people hear the word evangelism, because that's kind of what that passage is talking about, right? Go into the world, share the good news of Jesus, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey what I've commanded. It's about evangelism, about sharing our faith. When we hear the word evangelism, we often think of there's a sense of maybe inadequacy or or guilt. I should do it more or or pressure. And and we begin to think of questions like this. What if what if I offend them? It might harm my relationship with them. What if somebody thinks I'm pushy? What if what if they ask a question I don't have the answer to? I'll, I'll look silly or stupid. What if they think I'm naive or gullible or 
or out of touch or, or bigoted or intolerant. But what if we begin to ask these questions and, and it's easy just not to do it? Now, in the, in the New Testament, there's a list of spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are, are gifts that are given to us when we come to faith, when we come to faith in Christ. They're all sorts of gifts. And the gifts are given to us to build up the church, to help others, uh, and, to, and, to, and to advance the kingdom of God. And, and evangelism is one of those spiritual gifts. Uh, people with the gift of evangelism, it's a joy for them. It's, they're wired to do this. And, and they seem to have more success when they share their faith. Maybe you've known somebody like that. Maybe, maybe that describes you. But most of us, we don't have this spiritual gift of evangelism. It's, it's one of the rarer ones. Maybe we have the gift of helps or prayer or, or mercy or, or, or giving or leadership or teaching. Those gifts are more common. So we're off the hook then, right? If we don't have that gift, I mean, how can God expect us to operate out of an area in an area where we, where we don't have the gifting? But listen again to the passage that was just read. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. doesn't seem like we're off the hook. Or from 1 Peter, always be prepared to give an answer for, to everyone who asks you for the reason that you, for the hope that you have within you. And if that's not enough, there's another passage, John 20, where Jesus says to the disciples, Peace be with you. As a father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So these are just a few of the, of the many scripture passages that speak of our mission and our mandate to go into the world and to share the good news of, of Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom with others. So this morning we're going to talk briefly about what is involved in, in, in evangelism. What are some things that are helpful for us to, to understand and to apply and do when we share our faith? But before we do that, let's, let's, just, let's define what does it mean to evangelize and then briefly look at what is the hope for end result of sharing our faith. Now, the Greek word for evangelism was euangelion, and, and, and the eu means good. Okay, so, for example, you go to a funeral, you hear a eulogy, right? Eulogy, good word, a good word about the person who has died. That's right from the Greek. Or we speak of a euphemism when we want to say something about somebody that we don't want to say something negative. But so we try to come up with a nice way of saying something that kind of doesn't isn't offensive. Right. So that's that's the you is good. But the rest of the word angelion, you can probably guess where this comes from. Angels, messengers. So the Greek word is for evangelism is it's the good message or the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. That's it in a nutshell. Now, it's interesting that the word evangelism is never used in the New Testament. Yes, we're told to share our faith and to go and, and, and model our faith and, and demonstrate faith and, and all that stuff. But, but the word evangelism is never used in the New Testament, at least not as people use it today. And so for many people, evangelism simply means telling people about Jesus and that's it. But, but, but there's more. That's just the beginning. I mean, think about it this way. You walk into the parking lot after church. And somebody approaches you and says, you know, I'm, I'm new to the town. I'm just passing through. I'm trying to find my way to, 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 to Kansas City. I want to get to the World War I Museum in Kansas City. You could say, well, just get in the car and, and head that direction. Well, that wouldn't be really helpful, would it? You, you go into details. Go north to I-70. You go east for a couple hundred miles. And you give the directions and the exit and, and all that. And you make sure you have money for the tolls. You, you give them the information that they need. 
to, to, to get there. And the beginning of evangelism is, is the information about Christ, how to meet him and how to, how to be with him and be in him. But it's, it's more than that. It's, 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 it's persuading a person to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what is a disciple? Somebody who is a lifelong learner, a follower of Christ. Listen to again how Jesus defines it. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. And then it says, teach them to obey them, to obey everything I have commanded you. So a disciple is someone who has been taught to obey all that Christ commands. A disciple is not somebody who does everything perfectly and obeys at every, every turn because nobody's going to do this in this life. It's, it's a growth process. But a disciple is somebody who has made the commitment, whatever Jesus says, whatever he commands, whatever he values, I commit myself in advance that I'm going to try to grow in that and to do the same and to value the same and to be the same sort of person. Evangelism is, is the end goal is to convince somebody to be that kind of follower of Jesus Christ. So now that we've defined it and looked at the end goal, how do we do this? Where do we begin with sharing our, our, our faith? Well, if you're trying to convince somebody um, to try something that you are sure is the real deal, where do you begin? You can point them to a website. Um, you can give them brochures. But most generally, you're going to begin with your personal experience, right? You're going to begin with your personal experience. When Nancy and I were living in Chicago in seminary, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We were trying to make our way through, and we were really tight with them. We wouldn't get out with no debt. That was our goal. So we watched our pennies very, very closely. But we wanted to make sure that we experienced Chicago. So um, a handful of times a year, we would choose to go to an ethnic restaurant. Let's do something different. I grew up in rural Kansas. You grew up in rural Minnesota. Let's try something different. So we would pick out a different ethnic food, and we would go there, a hole in the wall, someplace that we could afford, and we'd try it. And every once in a while, we'd find a place that we really, really liked, and we'd want to go back. And, and probably one of our favorite places was a place called Reese's, an, an Iranian restaurant a couple miles north, uh, from where we uh, were living in an area called Andersonville. It used to be a Swedish area, and now there's a lot of Iranians, so it's, you know, it's turning over. And, and we liked it so much that when I go back to Chicago for pastor's meetings, I, I typically, on our free night, will try to convince some pastors to go there with me, because I want them to experience the ambiance and the food and the neighborhood and... And the, and the service is just a really fun place. I begin with my own experience, and then I give them the chance to experience it for themselves. That's what evangelism is. We are to begin with our personal experience and then invite others to try Jesus for themselves. Now, that, that stands to reason that we need to have an experience with Jesus. And it needs to be something live and, 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 and vibrant and we need to have something to share with them, but we begin by saying, this is what I've experienced with Christ. And I want you to come and check it out, too. We see this, this exactly the same thing happening in John chapter 1. Uh, one of the a perfect example of this in John chapter 1. I'm going to read a passage to you, uh, just a few verses. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. So there's two guys who've been following John the Baptist. He was a rabbi. They wanted to learn from him. They wanted to get closer to God. So they're following this guy and trying to follow his teachings. 
And when he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples of John the Baptist heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So they stopped following John the Baptist. They start following Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In other words, can we come with you? And Jesus says, come and you will see. And then it says they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And then Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the disciples. One of the guys who'd been following John the Baptist. Now he's following Jesus. Andrew heard, uh, heard what John had said and who Jesus was. And the first thing Andrew did the next day was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. So John experiences Jesus just for a few hours, and he's convinced this is what we've been looking for. And he immediately goes to his brother and says, you come and check this out. I think I've found what we've been looking for. What have you been looking for? That's, that's, that's Jesus' first words of his public ministry here in John 1. And it's a great question. It's, it's, and it's a question that was good enough for Jesus to use with people who are spiritually looking, it'd be a great question for us to use too. Because we're all looking for something in life. We're looking for love or purpose or meaning or security or, or, or adventure or, or freedom or, or maybe another chance to get it right. What are you looking for? And so Jesus asked Andrew and the other disciple, what are you looking for? They don't know how to answer. Jesus says, where are you staying? He says, come and see. And Simon's response is the next day, the very next day, brother, you've got to come check Jesus out. I think he's the one we've been looking for. So you begin with your own experience and then you invite others to, to try Jesus for themselves. Next, let's take a look again back at Matthew 28. Jesus begins by saying the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So what is Jesus doing here? Is he kind of establishing himself? I've done it. I've completed my mission on earth. I've been rewarded with all authority and all power. Is he kind of saying, do you know who I am? He's, he's letting the disciples and us by extension know that we have the full backing of his power and authority as we go. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 8. If God be for us, if God be with us, who can be against us? And Jesus bookends the Great Commission by saying it again very clearly so we don't miss it. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So part of sharing our faith effectively is going with the assurance that Jesus is with you in power and authority. You don't have to do this by yourself. He's with you in, in power and authority. I want to make a suggestion. Picture Jesus with you as you go to share your faith. I mean, I, you know intellectually, yeah, he's with me through his Holy Spirit. But picture him with you, standing next to you, sitting next to you as, as you share your faith. He'll have your back. He'll encourage you. He'll help you. That is the reality of what happens when you share your faith. He is, he is really with you. And it isn't just limited to when we're sick or lonely or tempted or we're scared or on our deathbed. It includes when we step out in faith and share the good news of Christ with others. 
There's another promise that Jesus makes regarding sharing our faith. It's in Luke chapter 12, and Jesus is again speaking to his disciples. He says, when you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So again, primary in our sharing our faith is depending upon the Holy Spirit to lead us. I mean, the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to direct us, to bring scriptures to mind, to comfort us, to give us confidence and power and clarity, to help us to rely upon God's strength and wisdom and not our own. And we must believe that the Holy Spirit is is working in the lives of the people whom we come in contact with, that he knows their needs. He knows what they're looking for. And so we depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide us in those conversations. So another suggestion. Before you go into a meeting or have a lunch with a friend or go to a family reunion or you go onto an airplane or you go into a gym or, 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 or a stadium and sit on the bleachers, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a good connection with people. Ask the Holy Spirit to, give, to guide the conversation, to give you the words and the insight, to connect with people and to share, to share your faith naturally and authentically. My experience has been when I do this consistently, opportunities come. And there is nothing more fulfilling than having a conversation with another person about the things in life that truly matter. Life. Life eternal. Meaning, purpose, redemption, forgiveness, hope, peace, and joy, even in the midst of difficulties. Next, let's take a look at First Peter again. Where Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. So relying on the Holy Spirit and knowing that Jesus is with us is primary in sharing our faith. But it's not an excuse not to do our homework. Peter urges us to know why we believe what we believe and to be able to clearly and compellingly tell others about our faith. You know, the biggest barrier that we might have when it comes to sharing our faith in the Western world is, is feeling inadequate to answer hard questions about our faith. And there are hard questions. Certainly there are. Problem of evil, suffering, so on and so forth. But there are so many, many good, reasonable reasons powerful reasons to believe in the God of the Bible and, and in his son, Jesus Christ. Reasons from science and philosophy and logic and experience and nature. And yes, yes, certainly from the scriptures. And we have the responsibility to be able to answer to the best of our ability and to give the reason for the hope that we have and to do it with gentleness and with respect. Now, this does not mean that we don't share our faith until we have all or most of the answers. One, we will never have all of the answers. And two, if we wait, we'll miss countless opportunities. Andrew did not wait. He met Jesus, was with him for a few hours. The very next day, he tells his brother about Jesus and brings him to him. He didn't have all the answers, but he had a passion for Jesus. And he had a passion for his brother. And he had an urgency. And the result was Simon who came to be known as Peter, came to follow Jesus. And, 
And eventually, Peter was used of God to bring thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. Finally, all this will all this will not honor God and will not reflect God's heart unless we take the following perspective. We need to see others and to love others as God does. You see, Jesus loved people. Even when he's frustrated with the disciples or angry with people or disappointed with people, he loves them. When Jesus saw the huge crowds gathered around him, it says that his heart was filled with compassion. His heart was heavy because it says they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had nothing to guide them in life. They, they were struggling to find purpose. They hadn't found what they were looking for. And Jesus didn't condemn. He didn't condescend. He loves and he shows compassion. And compassion literally means you feel for somebody. You see them in pain. You see them make a mistake. You see their broken life and you feel for them. And it's even more than that. You feel with them. You feel their pain. You don't see them as the enemy or as a fool or as somebody getting what they deserve or a project or a duty. You see them as somebody created in God's image whom God deeply loves, whom Jesus gave his life for. And you understand that for God's grace, there go you. And because God loves all people, As a follower of Christ, we are to love all people. And because of love and out of love and in the power of the Holy Spirit, prepared to give answers for the reason and for our hope and our faith, we are to simply and faithfully share what we ourselves have found and experienced in Jesus Christ. The good news of forgiveness, of unconditional love, of new life, of redemption, of of life eternal. So what does God want us to focus on? What does God value? It's, it's this. It's people. It's people finding what we ourselves have already found. Bringing the good news of Christ to all people at all times and anywhere. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you are a God who loves us and has reached out to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for your spirit to fill us and to guide us, uh, Lord, that we would have opportunity to share our faith simply and humbly with gentleness and respect um, with the people that you bring into our lives. Father, we want to value the things that you value, and we know without a doubt that you value people and that you want people to come to know you and And find what they are looking for in life and find that in Jesus Christ. So, Father, guide us and direct us, fill us, help us to have your perspective. To value the things you value, to have your priorities. And we commit ourselves to doing this, Lord. As we have opportunity through your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.